0: If the last few years have proven anything, it's the impact that emotions and thoughts can have on our resilience. Uh, the role that our emotion, our health, our emotional health plays into whether or not we burn out. I mean, just think of all that's transpired over the last two and a half, three years, all that's gone on, that we've faced and endured, and you can see how emotional resilience and, is important, and it's also an area and place where if we're not on top of it, if we're, we're not doing the things that, that we can do and have our hearts focused on the right things from God, we will burn out. Like, just think about emotional health and wellness in a, a period of time where COVID and, and mass, vaccines and, and mandates, politics and social justice issues... Uh, no matter what news media outlet you watch or how many you watch or how much social media you in, uh, ingest, the reality is all those things have affected us emotionally, perhaps like no time ever in human history. And so I think it's probably why we live in a time in a history where people are willing to talk about emotional wellness and health. Like the odds are pretty good that 10 years ago, people would not have been posting all the things that they do today about emotional wellness and health. Ten years ago, you wouldn't have had athletes like Simone Biles, perhaps the the best gymnast of all time, walking away from potential medal records and fame and fortune, citing mental health and wellness and burnout as her reasoning. I just can't do it. And while there was a whole lot of debate around it, there there were people who who spoke up and stood out and applauded her for it, appreciated it, said how grateful they were that someone was willing to to talk about the impact of emotional health and wellness in their life so publicly. And I know we talked about physical last year, and it's biblical, and we talked about spiritual last week and how important that is, but emotional resilience, emotional health, Uh, Tackling a tough topic like emotions is one that churches probably have not been so eager to touch for a long time. Because it's tricky. And that's why I need to give a disclaimer before we get into today's lesson. Like there are some of you here dealing with real emotional issues. You've had real things happen to you that are, are big and difficult and challenging and I don't want to give the impression and take it lightly what you're going through. Like clinical depression, that emotional wellness, that, that mental health issue is, is real and big. And I don't want to give you the impression today that there's a magic wand that I can wave over that and, and help you deal with that. It is hard. And there's help. Today, mainly, I'm going to talk to all of us in the general area of emotional wellness and I think this is where most people are, but if you're in the camp of you've had something hard happen to you and it's difficult and challenging, if you're dealing with some <laughs> mental health issues that are real and, and and are are part of the biological struggles that, that you might have or issues in your brain, like see the appropriate people, work with them, work with your pastors, there's help and there's hope. But all of us can find truths in today that can help us be emotionally resilient no matter what situation we're in. If it's on that extreme of of really hard and there seems to be no hope, as opposed to everyday life situations, the struggles and challenges, uncertainties that come up. Today's goal is to give you tools to help you be resilient in whatever time, whatever period, whatever issue you face in a godly way. And to help you do that, I want you to remember first the path to burnout. Like you might remember these words, the first one was compromise, the last one is crash, and right in the middle is compensate. And I think that probably more than any of the others is where the emotional resilience leg of the stool comes into play. Like we compromise maybe physically, we compromise maybe spiritually, and then we get into the, the struggle that is real and the compensation and, uh, happens when we're facing an issue, facing a struggle, facing a challenge, going through something. When we're hurting, when life is hard, compensating is a huge huge thing to make sure we do in a godly way and not in a worldly way. Like in the medical world, if you want to put a different word in there for today's topic, you might call it coping. Like you ever heard people who cope with things? There's good ways to cope and there's bad ways to cope. Coping is compensating. And that's really what I want you to unpack today as we talk about emotional resilience and wellness from the specific area of dealing with life when it hurts, so, if you're taking notes today, we're going to wrestle with these, this question and try and get godly answers to it. When you are hurting, in the area of compensating or coping, I want you to think about this. I want you to write it down either personally or mentally in, in your mind. Answer these two questions. When you are hurting, where do you go? Like, be honest, be real. Where do you go? Like, there are some good, godly places to go. Like, if you're hurting financially, if you have some struggles with, with money or resources, whether to your, from your own doing or as a result of uh, of someone else's doing, you, there are financial advisors, people with wisdom and insight. You can go to them. They're experts. Like, if you're wrestling with emotional wellness and health, anxiety, maybe a disorder of some kind or another, whether it's, you know, mental or physical, like, there are great people and resources you can go to here in the Valley to give you godly encouragement Your life group, why we want you to sign up for one, could be one of those great places to go when you are hurting. Godly people around you to to do life with can all be good things. Where do you go? And those things are all good, but a lot of people sadly go elsewhere or additionally go elsewhere. Like, where do you go? Like, when you're hurting, when life is hard, when your life gets turned upside down, are you more likely to go to a friend or go to the cabinet and pull out the bottle? Like, where do you go when you're hurting? Are you more willing to to unpack it and deal with it with others? Or do you run to the doctor and say, give me something that can help take the edge off, a pill that will help me a little bit? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just asking the question, is that your go-to? Like, where do you go? Like, it matters when we talk about when you're hurting and being emotionally resilient And then to wrestle with this one, what do you do? Like, what direction do you run in? Where do you go? And what do you do? Like, if you talk to psychologists, if you talk to therapists, if you talk to to people who understand emotions and and resilience, it's not the emotions, the, the Bible, the world, emotions are amoral, they're neutral, but emotions... While they're neutral, will affect your behavior. You're, you're not neutral. What do you do when you have struggles, challenges, and hurts? Like a lot of people, when they, they get hurt or are hurting, they ruminate. Like they hold on to it, they, they chew on it, they swallow it, it creates bitterness. It, it's a spiral, it can paralyze. Like ruminating on a thing over and over and over again and not getting it out, not unpacking it. Can take you to a very dark and bad place. Like it's the step down the road to the crash of of depression a lot of times. Maybe you're not a a ruminator, maybe you're a reactor. Like when you're hurting, when when someone has hurt you, when when you're hurting and and you don't know what to do, you just lash out with your words or your actions. You're a reactor. Like if you've ever put your hand through a wall when, when you've been hurting, when life is hard, you're a reactor. Are you a self-medicator? Are you a stuffer? What do you do when you're hurting? Like you need to think about it. I need you to write it down. I think you need to be honest with it because if you're not, emotional resilience, that leg of the stool, you, you will be turned upside down. The coping that you are doing, if it's not godly and good, will lead to a crash that will be hard and painful. That's why emotional resilience is so vital and important. All these legs of the stool are interdependent. They, de- they, they They play into each other. When you're hurting, where do you go and what do you do? Because here's what I want to do for you today. I want to dig into God's Word and help you see how God would have you cope in a good way, a biblical way. Like, what are some of the things that you can do? What would God encourage you to do? Uh, What would the Bible tell you to do so that, that when you're hurting, when life is hard, when the unexpected happens, when circumstances are out of your control, when you're spiraling, whatever the emotion, where does God want you to go and what does God want you to do? I'm going to share two sections of scripture with you and unpack them uh, to give you some godly encouragement, some godly advice that I pray can be a blessing to you each and every day to be resilient no matter where you're at on the spectrum of hurting. Like for some of you, the hurting that you're going through right now has been going on for a long time. And this side of heaven, it will never go away. How do you cope in a godly way right now and still be emotionally resilient? For some of you, it's not here right now, but it's coming. And you might not see it coming. What would God have you do to be emotionally resilient when you start hurting? Like these things, I believe, are godly principles that can bless you in a good way. And I know this from experience because I didn't necessarily apply them all the time during periods of my life when there's been hurting. Like where I went and who I went to, like even sometimes my Christian friends, <laughs> weren't the best place to go. And I don't want you to go there. God doesn't want you to go there. So let's go to God, Psalm 42 first, to to see what God would have us do when we're hurting. Like Psalm 42 was written by the Sons of Korah. They wrote several of the Psalms in the Bible. They were kind of the the leaders of worship in the temple back in the day. The Sons of Korah were involved in the worship life of God. They were the Jonathan favorites of 1000 BC. Um, But they were real and they were human. And God inspired the Sons of Korah to write this Psalm and you can see their humanity on display, the emotions pouring out in these words. And they'll give us insight as to what to do and where to go. My tears have been my food day and night. Like, I don't sit down at the dinner table and eat my tears. They bring no nutritious value. But the visual and the image is this person in his life was dealing with something so big, it was so hard, he was, he was hurting, his tears were what he was ingesting. Taking them in. All day and all night, this was a challenging situation that he was going through. My tears have been my food all day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Well, I'm hurting and I feel like I'm, I'm lost when, when I wonder what's going on. My soul is downcast, he's going to say in a little bit. Those around him, the people that he relied on, maybe even good people, a good thing, were like, where is your God? Like, does he see you? Does he know you? Does he care about you? And in the middle of it, here's what he, sa- he reminds us to do and where to go. These things I remember. As I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Like the emotion is real, what's going on is raw, the hurting and, and pain is there. What to do when you're hurting? Put your hope in God. Where to go, what to do. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. Like there are three truths in that section of scripture from that writer of Psalm 42 to help us do what God would have us do and go to the right place when we're hurting. Those other places, those worldly things, might be good additional places, but what would God have us do and where would God have us go? If you're taking notes, write these down. Here's your fill-in-the-blanks. Step number one, when you are hurting, God would tell you, the psalm writer experienced it. He did it. Pour out your soul. Like, sadly, all too often people stuff it. Sweep it under the rug. Hope it'll go away. If I just sit on it for a few weeks, it might get better. The odds are pretty good it will get worse. Because that will lead to rumination. So pour it out. The psalm writer says, pour it out. Like, don't allow the, the hurt to, to be ingested and, and cause another emotion, bitterness. Don't allow it to be ingested and, and cause it to, to take a root in your heart that, that affects your relationships. Like, God would say, pour it out. It's biblical. Like, the psalm writer is pouring out his, his frustrations. He, He's having a cathartic cry session, so to speak, uh, with God in his words. He's like pouring out all that's going on. It's not wrong to have questions to God. You saw it in King David before in Psalm 13, right? Why God? Where are you, God? That's pouring out your soul. David recircled and came back in step number two. You're going to see what he did to not allow that to remain. But pouring out your soul is a godly good thing. Ruminating and stuffing is dangerous spiritually, physically, and can lead to the crash. And you can see that in the psalm writer. He poured out his soul. God, this is what is on my heart. I'm owning it, God. I'm downcast. I, I, I might be in a bad place. I, I have a whole lot of questions. But he didn't stop there. Like, pouring out your soul allows it to come out. Whether it's right or wrong, good or bad, pouring out your soul is the essential it, it's kind of just like taking out the garbage. Like how many of you have a garbage service that comes by your home, whether it's the city of Appleton, the city of Nina, the city of Menasha, the city you're in Grand Chute, whatever it is, right? Like minus Thursday, so we take it out on Wednesday night. We during the course of the week when the garbage can gets full, we, we don't just leave it in there and let the, 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 the chicken remains and all the other things that smell sit in our house. We take it out and they come and they pick it up on Thursday. You know what I've never done on Thursday? i never watched for the truck, saw him pick it up, and started sprinting down the street after him, begging him to let me have it back. I've never once driven down to the garbage dump and dove into the trash to get my garbage back and sit next to my bed. And Like, there are bad things. There are things that we need to get out. Sometimes they're real, and sometimes they're raw, and, and things that happen to us produce emotions that 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 we all have, but we got to deal with them and get them out. Pouring out is cathartic and a spiritual blessing. And in the process, there's something else that we need to do. Replace it with something good. Redirect your thoughts. Like any therapist and others would have you do the same thing. Like, redirect your thoughts. Remove the bad. Redirect your thoughts on something good. And it's what the psalm writer did. Did you hear it in his words? Did you understand it, identify it, or underlie it. If you're going back to Psalm 42 later this week, look at the things that he redirected his thoughts to. God, worship, praise, joy. I'll put my hope in God. He's my Savior. He's my God. My my soul is downcast within me. What do I need to do? This is where I'm at. I'm pouring out my soul. Therefore, as a result, I will remember you. Like, confessional theology is a great thing. The truths about God are amazing things. Come to confirmation class, go to a starting point class, and and you'll hear us unpack for you biblical teachings, biblical truths, that is your your theological truth base, right? It's confessional theology. But you also have to have a functional theology, like how you live. (laughs) Like, God is great, God is all-powerful. God saves. Your functional theology in the middle of it, there always has to be a my. I'll say it again. There has to be a my in your theology. The psalm writer understood the power of it. How do I redirect my thoughts to my God? He's not some off out there God. He's not David's God. He's not King Solomon's God. He's my God. And he's my Savior. Like, if you want to be emotionally resilient, there has to be a my in your theology. That knows who God is and also knows, believes, in what that has done to you. It has redefined you. That's redirecting your thoughts to the God who who rules, to the God who forgives, to the God who saves, to the God who loves. All those things are true. And when you do that, when you redirect your thoughts... (laughs) Then you can do what the psalm writer did at the end. You can, as we're filling in the blanks, reorder your hope. His last phrase in the psalm was this, Therefore I will remember you. Put your hope in God. What is it that you need to remember to reorder your hope? I'm going to give you three things. Reordering your hope involves three things that God would have you remember. Remember first what God has done for you. Remember what God has done for you at the cross where he forgave you all your sins. Remember what God has done for you in rising from the dead, giving you new life and giving you hope. Remember what God has done for you in the waters of baptism where he made you his child, gives you the spiritual blessings of forgiveness, new life, and salvation. Remember what God has done for you. In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate as members of our church, the Lord's Supper, where we see his very body and blood given for you. Remember what God has done for you. That will help you reorder your hope. Remember what he's done in the past and also remember what he's doing right now. Like, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how big it is or how hard it is. I don't know how dark it is. I, I understand that you're all in different places in the here and the now. But so often when we're hurting, all we see is the hurting. And remembering what God is doing for you right now requires you to take a broader picture of all that God is doing. Like it remembers right now, here today, even in the middle of this, I woke up, I'm still breathing, God gave me another day of grace. I might be hurting physically, But God gave me doctors and medicine and others to help me and maybe see me through it. What is God doing for me today? He's surrounded me with fellow Christians who can be a support and a lifeline for me in the middle of the storm. See all the things God is doing for you right now. The food he's putting on your table, the blessings he's giving to you, the people in your life. You have to remember what God has done. If you want to reorder your hope, you have to remember what God is doing. But at the end of the day, don't stop there. Also remember what God will do. Like, God's ultimate goal is not to to take away all your pain here on earth. He never promised that. His goal is to remove you from this earth where there will be no more pain. His goal is to bring you to heaven. His goal is to see you through the darkness. His goal, at the end of the day, is for you to be with him for eternity. Like, remember what he has done, what he is doing when you're hurting, and what he will do when there will be no more hurting and pain. Or sorrow or tears. Like if you want to be emotionally resilient, reorder your hope in what God has done is doing and will do. In fact, I would argue if you want to sum that up in a way that's easy and memorable, for emotional resilience and health, these are tools that that I talk about to avoid the crash, to avoid the compensating, to not cope in a bad way, to be emotionally resilient, identify the emotion, what it is, like dig down, do some hard work, like be real, are you angry? over what someone did to you? Are you lonely because someone deserted you? Are you bitter because someone betrayed you? Like, like what's the hurt? What's the emotion? Get real. Open it up. Pour it out. Don't sugarcoat it anymore. Don't be downcast within and, and stew on it. Rather, pour it out to God. Identify the emotion. And once you identify it, I want you to do this. I want you to validate it. Like so many people think the emotion is bad. Like they shouldn't have the emotions. It's your emotion. And you know who else had emotions? Jesus. Like he went through the emotion of being deserted by his best friends. He had the emotion of being crucified by his own people. He had the emotion of anticipatory anxiety in the garden. And you know what? Every time he did, he redirected his thoughts and he reordered his hope on God. But he validated it. He owned it. He shared it. It, It's not wrong to have it. But what can be wrong is how you deal with it. And so we need to align it. Like, what does godly behavior look like? How can I align my thoughts? How, How do I identify them, validate them, but always align them? It might be real. The hurt might never go away. But God will never waste a moment of darkness. He didn't waste it for Joseph, who spent 20 years in prison waiting to get elevated to his position. He didn't waste it for Paul when he didn't take away his thorn in his flesh. Paul could celebrate the amazing grace of God and the victory that was his. He, God never wastes darkness. He can always use it to be a blessing for us. He might bring us through it. The circumstances might change, but I need to align it with the truth of who God is and what God has done and to align it properly so that I behave in a godly way. I think perhaps the best place that helps with that is this last passage. Like, maybe the challenge that I want to put in front of all of you is this week, would you do two things? Would you read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, at the beginning of every day? Like, it'll help you understand what to do and where to go if you want to be emotionally resilient. And then I'm going to give you a prayer that maybe you can pray that will will help you in the process too. If you would do that for a week straight, I wonder what it would look like and how that might help you. So I think the Apostle Paul understood that it helped him. The Apostle Paul said these words in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do nothing, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, the Apostle Paul, what he's saying here and what he knew, is to be aware of what we're thinking, taking those emotions captive, and and reminding ourselves of where to go and how to reorder our hope and redirect our thoughts. See, the Apostle Paul understood there's a role that we play in it. Did you catch what he said? In everything, with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Now, some of you have never sang a hymn out of a hymnal because we sing a lot of praise songs at a 9 o'clock and 1030 or at our downtown campus. But for many of you, you probably know or have heard of the famous Lutheran and Christian hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Like, you probably could finish the lines. Like, the hymn writer understood it, maybe took it from these verses. Like, I want you to think about that. Before I give you the big takeaway, like what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, what a privilege to, everything to God in, oh, what need we often, oh, what needless pain we, all because we do not, everything to God in, see, you've sung it, you've memorized it, live it, like be faithful. Faithful. In everything, present your request to God. Doesn't mean he say yes, but he wants you to do it. Pour out your soul. Like plead with him three or four times like the Apostle Paul. That's okay. Ask him questions. Where are you? What's going on? I'm hurting. I need help. That's great. Go to him with prayer and petition. Redirect your thoughts with thankfulness to God, who he is, what he's done, what he will do. Think of the things of God, what's true about God, He will take me home to heaven. What's pure about God, he's made me holy. What's excellent about God, he is good and he is present. God will never waste a moment of your darkness. God cares about your circumstances. But hear me right, God is far more concerned about your character. Because character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Emotionally, God wants to build up our character so that we never lose hope about what he will do one day. So I want you to take this away. Be faithful. Like, do the things God calls you to do. Take your words to Him in prayer. Pour out your heart. Redirect your thoughts. Uh, redirect uh, and reorder your hope. All those things you do, uh, God calls you to do. He gives us insight of where to go and what to do. But at the end of the day, we can do all those things, but we, we have to have this at the foundation. Be faithful, but most importantly, be full of faith in God. Because this is what's true about God God is faithful. Like he, when he promises, I will never leave you or forsake you, you can be emotionally resilient by reordering your hope in that promise. Reorder your hope in the God who says, while in this life you will have troubles, remember, I have overcome the world. I will take you home to heaven. I will work all things out for your good eternally, period. That It might be hard and you might be hurting. It might never change here, but don't lose hope. I am faithful, God says. Which is why I want to give you a prayer that I use, that I love, that, that maybe you can start your day with. Cut it out, take the bulletin home, find it online. It's a resiliency prayer that someone taught me that, that emotionally helps me set the tone for a day. Lord, I know that today events will happen, some good and some bad, some that are in my control but most that aren't. I know that these events will trigger thoughts, why me, this shouldn't happen to me, poor me, and those thoughts will produce feelings that will impact my behavior. So when these events happen, help me remember that you have promised to never leave me or forsake me. That's alignment. And that you will work it out for my eternal good. That's alignment. So that I can have feelings of hope and peace and confidence and joy with the goal that my behavior brings you glory in all I say and do. Pour out your soul. Redirect your thoughts. Reorder your hope. Be faithful. And full of faith. Because God is faithful and he will deliver on those promises. And knowing that can bless us emotionally each and every day in the year ahead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And we need your help. There are people here who are hurting today and and the emotional and mental uh, reality of it is they're nearing a crash. I pray, Lord, that you will use others uh, to, to bless them, be there to support them. But above all, they remember that you are faithful. Uh, and that with you there is help and hope.